Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Amen. Why don't we give that to the Lord? Can we do that? We love you, Jesus. How many know we serve a faithful God? Truly do. I love singing about all the things he's done because it's very personal to me. I, as a matter of fact, uh, just a couple uh, weeks ago, a good friend of mine uh, was, uh, he's 26 years old, was uh, just minding his own business, got some pain in his back, and uh, pain persisted. He went to the hospital, and um, he was having a heart episode, and he was admitted, and his, his troponin, or troponin levels, when we, we arrived in Michigan, uh, were at 400, which typically they say when uh, you're at normal, it's about zero to 10, and when you're at a heart attack, you're at about 100. And so things just started going downhill. It started attacking his, his liver and his kidneys, and, and things started going into failure mode. And they were going to do one more procedure. Every procedure they had done was, was just negative and, and wasn't really any good news. They couldn't figure out what was going on with him. And so we gathered in, in his, his room as they were about to take him down, and just something so incredible, the same presence that we felt during worship, and that's still very tangible in this place, moved into that room. We prayed a very simple prayer that God would just touch him, that God would heal his body. And there was just this peace that just kind of came right into that room. And he went down for that, that heart cath, and, and it was probably 24, 48 hours we were approaching from, from when he initially was admitted. And from that point, from that prayer we prayed, things began to improve. And one, two days later, he was admitted or discharged from the hospital. He just went and saw a doctor. They said, you're going to make a full recovery. That's the kind of God we serve. Amen. We serve a God that is a healer. If you've come here today and you have a need, God can meet your need. I'm very confident of that. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to Luke chapter 1. I do want to say how uh, honored I am to be with all of you today. I don't take this uh, lightly. I, I really do love your pastor and his wife. They are incredible people. You are truly blessed with the best. And brother and sister Calhoun, I uh, worked worked with them when I was a youth leader, and they were the section reps, and, and I had always admired them from afar. And, and obviously when I uh, started liking one of the ladies in their youth group, um, got to know them a lot more personal, and, and they're truly the real deal. What you see uh, from a distance, once you get closer, it only gets better. They're true Christians, and, and you are truly blessed. And so I give them honor today. I also give honor to all of your uh, leadership here. It's a great church here, great church, and God is doing a great thing in Brookfield. I would be happy to be a part of what God is doing in Brookfield. Amen. If you have your Bibles, again, Luke chapter 1. I'm just going to be reading a couple of verses in verse 26 through 35, and it says this. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. 
blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. We read uh, this passage of scripture uh, every December 24th as a family. Since I was a, a baby, we read uh, the story of the birth of Jesus. And, and normally this is when we unpackage this story is around Christmas time. But uh, I want to kind of maybe look at the story from a, a little bit of a different perspective than maybe you're used to looking at it at. Um, a lot of times, sometimes, when, when preachers get behind a pulpit, they're preaching a message of maybe a, a test that they've been through or a circumstance that they've come out from. And, and as a result of it, they have some things to, uh, you know, impart from the word of God. Um, but I want to be very vulnerable with you today. I, I'm going to speak to you from something I'm going through right now. And, and I pray that as your pastor said, if you would be real with God today, I'm going to be real with you. And I think God's going to do something very great in this place. Amen. Amen. Why don't we just lift our hands one more time all over this place and let's just ask God to do exactly what he wants to do in this place. Can we do that? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much, God, for, Lord, your presence that we've felt so strong, Lord, so rich, so tangible in this place. And God, I pray now, Lord, as we begin to dive into your word, that you would open our hearts, Lord Jesus. Open, Lord, our, 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 our hearts to receive what you would have, God. I pray, Lord, any guards that would be up, Lord, that would, they would be taken down today, God, and that your word would take root inside of us, Lord Jesus. God, I pray my voice today would be the amplifier of heaven, and you would speak very clearly to us. We love you. We praise you. We give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. I want to speak to you on the topic, the gift of pain. The gift of pain. So high five your neighbor and uh, tell them how good it is to see them and you may be seated. The gift of pain. In 1991, in the hot Arizona desert, an experiment was conducted called the Biodome. These researchers gathered together and built a huge glass structure for human, plant, and animal life. It was a perfectly controlled living environment using purified air and water, healthy soil, and filtered light. The intent of this experiment was to afford perfect growing conditions for trees, fruit, and vegetables, as well as humans and animals. Everything seemed to be going seamless with this experiment when something very unusual was observed. Trees in the biodome were growing much quicker and reaching maturity at a faster rate than they did in the wild, but something was taking place when the trees got to the full height, they would just collapse. This began to baffle the scientists as they began to look into the cause of what was taking place. And, and as they began to study it out, they realized that they forgot one important component that the tree needed. That was the element of wind. 
You see the adversity that the wind brings, although unpleasant, affords the tree the ability to produce a deeper root system, which in return supports the tree as it grows taller. Not only that, but trees also grow something through adversity called reaction wood or stress wood. This stress wood usually has a, a different structure in lignin and cellulose content, and, and it's able to position the tree in optimal position for continued growth amidst adversity. So when you're driving down the road and you see a, a tree that's all contorted and gnarled, and, and, and it may not look very pretty to the look, but that is an example of something growing amidst adversity. The idea of the biodome is something <clears throat> that's very alluring. How many would, would say, I, I like to grow in something that's perfect, a perfect environment, perfect you know, weather, 75 degrees, no humidity, no snow, no construction, right? That, that just perfect environment where our sports teams are always winning. Uh, I'm always getting coupons in my inbox for free meals at Qdoba. Like that's the type of environment I want to grow up in. No disruptions from outside influences. I want to avoid the times of contrast and tension when life's daily challenges push against me. But unfortunately, that's not reality. Nor is it an environment that's beneficial or conducive to our growth. Much like the trees, you and I need the wind in our life. We, we need the wind for our growth and maturity. And that wind, brothers and sisters, is pain. Today, one of the uniting factors that joins everyone in this room is pain. Each person that is sitting, I don't know you, I don't know your story, but I can imagine at some point, if not currently, you've experienced or have gone through pain. Your pain might come in a different package than mine. It may look a little bit different. It, it, it might have a different name that's attached to it, but it's pain. Your, your pain today might be maybe it's an illness. Maybe you come here today and, and you have experienced or are going through chronic illness. And, and every morning when you wake up, you're reminded of that pain. You're reminded of that pain in your body and, and the things that maybe you used to do, you're not able to do. And, and, and as you lay your head on the pillow, you are reminded of the pain that continues to attack your body. Or, or maybe your pain is the loss of a loved one. Maybe there's someone that, that was just taken from this earth too soon. And you live with the pain of this empty void in your life that someone used to fill. Or maybe it was the loss of a job. Maybe it was a, the loss of a marriage or, or, or a loss of a child or, or something that's taken place that's causing you to grieve the loss of something. Or maybe it's hurt. Maybe you have scars that, that fill your life. Scars that were inflicted by someone that you reached out to, someone that you trusted, someone that, that was a friend to you and they turned their back on you. Or, or maybe life has just thrown you curveball after curveball after curveball and you feel like you're, you're spending more time dusting yourself and getting back up than you are moving forward. 
and you feel these hurts and, and you come here today and, and maybe on the exterior everything looks okay but what this suit is hiding is, is the wound that's open or, or, or the limp that you're trying to, 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 to disregard or, or to make it appear that everything is good and so you lift your hands and you don't know, no one else knows the pain that is going on in your life or the pain that is represented. Regardless of what your pain is, we all experience pain. And if I could be today, I'd like to be just incredibly practical. And so if you have a pen and paper or your phone, why don't you pull it out? And I'd like to give you just a couple things to consider when it comes to pain. The first thing I want you to know when it comes to pain is that God is not the author of pain, but he does allow it. God is not the author of pain, but he does allow it. So what does that mean? That, that means that God should not be blamed when pain comes to our life. You may be going again through the storm of your life. You may be feeling like you're in the fire, but that is not the time, brothers and sisters, where we raise our fist at God and say, why are you allowing this? Why is this going on? Why are you you're putting this pain in my life? Because God is not the cause of the pain. The, the sin-stained, fallen humanity that we live in is the cause of the pain. But, but here's the beautiful thing about God. He can take something so disgusting as sin. He can take something so uh, unattractive as pain, and he can use it for his purpose. He can repurpose your pain. And just as Joseph said when he went through his trials, he said, you know what the enemy meant for the bad, God meant for the good. And so today, keep your head up. You might be going again through the storm of your life, but realize that in the midst of the storm, God is right beside you. God is right there and he's saying, if you would just hold on, if you would just keep your trust in me, if you would just keep looking at me, I can help you through this pain. I can make a masterpiece out of your mess. That's the kind of God that we serve. God is able to use something caused by failure to positively affect our future. The second thing about pain is pain is a part of progress. This is the one I still don't like, and I'm the one who wrote it down. Pain is a part of progress. Anything that grows experiences pain. If I am avoiding all pain, I am avoiding growth. Th think about, uh, you know, in, in the early spring or in fall when we begin to prune the trees, right? It, it doesn't maybe look pretty, but we realize the importance of the pruning of the trees and the cutting away of the dead branches. And so is it in our life. There are some times that pruning takes place. But that pain is a part of our progress. One preacher said it this way. He said, when you're born, you're like a key with no cuts in it. As you go through life, each wound each failure, each hurt cuts into that strip of metal. And one day, one day there is a clear click. Your pain has formed the key that slips into the lock and opens your future. Pain is a part of progress. Number three, and I think this one is very important for all of us, we all have different pain thresholds. We all have different pain thresholds. Some can handle more than others, However, that never should minimize the pain each and every one of you are going through. That, that means I, I shouldn't look at my brothers and sisters and say, well, God bless them. They, they're going through this little you know, hangnail. I wish I was going through a hangnail. No, the pain that they're experiencing is big to them. 
It, it may seem like a little mohill to us, but it could be a mountain to them. And so that's why scripture tells us to bear one another's burdens, not compare one another's burdens. We're not supposed to sit here at church and look across the aisle and say, if he only knew what I was going through, if he only knew the pain that I felt. But no, brothers and sisters, each one of us has a pain that we're going through and our pain is big to us. And the pain of our brother and sister is big to them. And that's why we need to come alongside of our brothers and sisters and, and put a harm around them and say, I can't imagine what you're going through. I can't imagine the pain you're feeling. I want you to know I'm here for you. I want you to know I'm praying for you. We all have different pain thresholds. As tall as the mountaintop of your greatest achievements for God, there will always be a corresponding value. Let me say that again. As tall as the mountaintop of your greatest achievement for God, there will always be a corresponding valley of pain. In our opening scripture, we read about Mary and her incredible encounter with the angel Gabriel. It's a defining moment for Mary. It's a moment that would change her life forever. She who was highly favored and blessed among women has been chosen to carry out and conceive the Savior of the world. God manifest in flesh. And I, I can't imagine the emotions that Mary felt after that encounter. I, I often, when I'm studying the word of God, I like to try to put myself in the shoes of the individual and, and wonder what it must have been like from, you know, this is the, the recent one I'm, I'm thinking about, what it must have been like for Noah when the ark shut and he was on one side and probably family members on the other side and the, the screams and the pounds. I, I wonder what it must have been like for Daniel after he was consistent in his prayer life and he's thrown into a lion's den and he's thinking, God, I've been faithful to you. And then he sees God's miraculous unfold. But what must it have been like for Mary? I'm sure she had this mixture of emotions, being terrified and excited being overwhelmed by the, the news that she was getting, but also overjoyed by the opportunity of being chosen by God. For most of us, we, we've been aware of the story of the birth of Jesus. It's, again, something we celebrate every Christmas. Every pastor preaches about this story around Christmas time. We know all about the setting of the birth. We're familiar with the visitors that were present. But have you ever considered the pain that Mary went through? Have you ever thought of the adversity that she went through to be a part of God's plan? I'm not talking about the, the pain and discomfort of carrying a baby. I'm not talking about the labor pains. I'm talking about the fact that she was engaged to be married when she found out she was pregnant and the child she was carrying was not the man's that she was engaged to. Imagine the tension that showed up in that relationship. We don't know how long it took the angel to get around to Joseph to talk about that this is truly a part of my plan. Think about the conversation that she has as she begins to say to Joseph, Joseph, this is, I don't know how this happened. I've been faithful. But, but an angel appeared to me and said that I'm going to carry the Savior of the world. And Joseph thinking, well, I didn't sign up for this. She's been unfaithful. She, she's not been true to, to the love that she has for me. And think about the strain that that must have put on their relationship. Or, or how about the fear of potentially being stoned to death for what could have been assumed of having a child out of wedlock? Or how about the threat of possible public humiliation and embarrassment? 
Mary going to the market and people looking at her and whispering under their breath. Yeah, she says that it was an angel. Yeah, she says that she is a part of this bigger plan. She's so self-righteous, covering up her mistakes, covering up her failures. Or how about the discomfort of being uprooted prior to giving birth and being sent on an estimated 80-mile trek from Nazareth to Bethlehem? I can confidently say they didn't have Uber back then. Joseph didn't call an Uber and say, hey, I need the most comfortable. I need it to be air-conditioned controlled. I, my wife is about to give birth, so we need... No, she rode on the back of an animal. And every bump, she felt the pain. And, and I'm sure that as she's going on that, she's thinking, this isn't how I imagined my life would unfold. I, I imagined giving birth at home. I imagined being around family members. Or how about when they arrived at their destination, knocking on every door and saying, hey, would you just let us in? Could you just give us a room? My, my wife is giving birth and they're saying, sorry, we don't have any room for you. But you don't understand. We're, we're giving birth to the Savior of the world, the one who's going to take away the sins for humanity. And they're saying, I'm sorry. Check down the road. Check with the next inn. We're totally booked. And there she and Joseph are in a dirty stable. The pain of looking at that. Or how about after the birth, having to flee to Egypt due to Herod's desire to kill Jesus? And the first moments that should be joyful moments of a new baby, now they're looking over their shoulder thinking, is someone coming after us? Is someone going to try to kill this blessing that we have? Yes, it's a miraculous story, my friends. Yes, it's an incredible story, but it didn't come without pain. There is pain when it comes to being a part of God's plan. But I think Mary is an incredible example on how to handle pain. And I want to give you four responses to pain that I think we can glean from Mary. The first thing is this. The first perspective, or the first response to pain is our perspective. You want to write that down, our perspective. How is my perspective? That day when Gabriel told Mary of the plan, there are many ways, I'm sure, Mary could have responded. She, she could have argued with the angel, I think you came to the wrong house. I hear what you're saying, and it sounds good, but I don't really want this. Why don't you go to, there's another lady down the road, she'll be a good fit for this. She could have argued with the angel. She could have, uh, she could have said, you know what, I don't want to do this. She could have been miserable while doing it. But we read in Scripture that Mary's response is this. She says in verse 38 of Luke chapter 1, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She said, let everything that you just said come to pass. If it's God's will, then I want to fall in line with it. If this is the way that he wants my life to go, then let it come to pass exactly the way that you've said it to be. It's imperative that we keep a proper perspective when it comes to our pain. I've learned this. I've learned pain is inevitable. Misery is optional. Pain is inevitable. It's going to take place, but, but my response to pain is optional. How are you going to respond when life throws you a curveball? How are you going to respond when, when things come at you, when, when, when life throws you a, a bump in the road and, and it, it knocks you off your detour? You see, this is what I've learned about my perspective is my perspective will tell who is in control of my life. Am I in control? Or is God in control? You, you see, if I'm in control, then it's my story. It's my life. It's my plan. It's my dreams. But if God's in control, it's his purpose. 
his plan, his dreams, what he wants for my life. And, and if I have that perspective that God is in control, then I realize that the things that I'm going through, although they didn't come from God, God can help me navigate through those things. He, he can bring me through the fire unscathed. He can bring me through the fire w without uh, a hair out of place, without clothes singed. God can bring me through those situations because he said, I'll always be with you. So if God's in control, do I trust his motives? Like I said, I've been going through a little bit of pain in my life. My, my wife and I are celebrating 12 years of marriage in September, and um, about seven, six and a half years ago, seven years ago, Angie was going back to school to become a nurse, and during that time, she uh, was a CNA while she was finishing up her degree, and one night, she was um, watching a patient, a patient that was uh, needed to be 24-hour watch, and, and as the patient was in the room, he reached out and attacked my wife, and my wife got scratched, and and shortly after that, that, that interaction that took place, my wife started having uh, these issues. And we thought that maybe it, it, it came from that incident, that man had a bacteria infection. And we thought maybe that bacterial infection she, she got. And so they, they took her through test after test after test after test. And in about two months, my, my wife lost about 30 pounds. Every time she would eat, she would have incredible pain. And so she stopped wanting to eat because I don't want to feel this pain. And it was after about three months of them running tests that they, they did a colonoscopy and we sat down with the GI specialist and he said, you have something called Crohn's disease. Now at that moment, we didn't know what Crohn's disease was. My, my wife being a nurse knew more about it than I did. It was a foreign thing. And so in my American Western mentality, it was, okay, what medicine do we need to get her out of this? And the doctor said, well, there, there really isn't a medicine that can heal your Crohn's disease. We, we will try to experiment with things to try to maintain it and to try to get you into a place of remission. And so God, through that, began to do miracle after miracle. Not, not the big miracle we were looking for, but God began to show himself through this pain and little experiences, little circumstances. And, and, and Angie had times of remission, but last, uh, last year we went on a missions trip. And we were a little concerned about the missions trip uh, because of the country we were going to and the food that she would be eating and kind of how she would react and if she would possibly have a flare because of it. And, and during the trip, she was fine. And in August, as we flow, flew back and we came into the United States and we dropped off the 60 students that were with us, as we boarded our plane to start heading back home, all of a sudden a fever started coming on my wife. And by the time we got to Wisconsin, she had a, over 102 uh, degree temperature. For the next three months, my wife was bedridden. She, she couldn't barely get out of bed. A, a close companion of Crohn's is rheumatoid arthritis, and she gets that. And when she's in a severe flare, she can barely open her hands, let alone get up and walk. She needs uh, assistance in moving around. And, and it's so sad to see a 33-year-old lady that, that's, that's moving like my 93-year-old grandma. And... We finally, uh, she was hospitalized last year for five days, and, and during that time, they said, your, your, your medicine's not working, and we need to try something different. And, and, and this has been our story for seven months. My wife would have come with me today, but she just had surgery last week, and, and she was supposed to be out of the woods, but, but she just got a high fever, and, and now she has an MRI scheduled for Monday, and this has been the circumstances we've been living in. And, and I remember when this first happened, 
I remember getting alone in my prayer closet and looking at God and saying, why? We, we've been faithful, God. We've been faithful to your house. We, we've been faithful to, to serving in the kingdom of God. Why is this going on? And I kept, like a little baby, began to whine. Why, 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 why? And God finally spoke to me one day and he said, you're asking the wrong question. The question is not why am I doing this? The question is what am I trying to accomplish through this? And it changed my perspective. It changed Angie's perspective. And we finally got to this place in our life where we said, God, we trust you. We trust your motives, which means we may not see the end game. We may not see what you're trying to accomplish in this. But God, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we'll fear no evil, God, because we know you're with us. And that's all we need to know. So we don't need to know what the next step holds. You don't need to know, brothers and sisters, what tomorrow may hold. All you need to know is who holds tomorrow. And if you can continue to hold tight to that, if you can continue to hold tight to his word and say you know what I know there's promises in this book for me I know his promises are yea and amen and so be it and so God I'm standing on your word I'm standing on your promises and God can do exceeding abundantly that's why Romans says in 8 and 28 all things work together for the good to them that love God but I don't see it God I don't see it when I'm in a hospital room I don't see it when when my relationships are dysfunctional but God says all things can work together for the good to them that love me to them that are called according to his purpose. I can be in the storm of my life, but I can hang on to the fact that God is with me. The other thing my perspective shows is my, my, my perspective usually will reveal what's inside of me. When we go through storms and when life begins to put the squeeze on us, we're kind of like a tube of toothpaste, right? You just squeeze it and when you squeeze it, you see what's inside. And so what's inside? Is it fear? Is it fear that's motivating my decisions? Is discouragement my constant companion? Is negativity the thing that's constantly coming out of me? Or, or do I have the fruit of the Spirit deep down inside of me? And so when these things happen and the squeeze gets put on me, there's love, there's joy, there's peace. How can I have peace in the midst of a storm? Because I have a spirit inside of me. My perspective will reveal what's inside of me. Mary's second response to pain is this. It was the need for a partner. In verse 39 of Luke chapter 1, it says this. It says, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Why is that important? Upon hearing the news and considering how this would impact her life, Mary's response was to travel from Nazareth to Judah. Okay, it may seem like she just, you know, you know, caught the next train or caught the next bus. No, she traveled 90 miles to be with Elizabeth because she realized there was value in relationship. Mary didn't, Mary didn't isolate herself. And that's what pain tries to do to us. It, it, it tries to, to make us think like no one will understand. And so we go through pain and we think, you know what? I'm not going to come on Sunday. I'm not going to come on Wednesday. And pastor calls and we say, I'm just going to let it go to voicemail. No, that's the enemy that's trying to isolate you from the house of God. You see, when you're going through your pain, this is the place you need to be. Every time the house is open, you need to be here. When pastor calls, you need to say, you know what? I don't know, pastor, but I just need something flesh and blood. Sometimes we as relational beings need a human that we can cry on their shoulder. Someone that we can vent in a productive fashion to. 
Someone that, that we, can, we can say, here's what I'm going through, and they're not going to just have these cute cookie-cutter answers, but they'll listen and, and say, I'm praying for you. Someone that we can storm the gates of hell together with. Someone that we can get on our knees together with and say, will you pray with me? I learned in this, in this battle that I had partners, people that would call me and they would say, you know what, I don't know what's going on with your wife, but I'm going to fast the next week for her. You don't have to do that, but I want to. And you just realize how strong the body of Christ is. But my pain will sometimes do the opposite and it will try to reject it. That's why we need the house of God. Consider the following things. Who in your life gets you? And doesn't think you're weak or strange when you wrestle with the complexities of your pain? Who listens to you without feeling compelled to give you advice? I've learned through pain that everybody has the answer. Every Shackley person, every person that's selling vitamins and supplements, everybody has the answer. And I don't say that to be disrespectful, but you come to church and everyone's, you need to, you need to you know, drink this water. And no, you don't drink, need to drink that water. No, drink, drink a shake and then stand on your, you know, your head for five minutes and that's... Everyone has advice. Who asks third or second and third questions to draw you out of instead of giving you pat answers, simple prescriptions, or easy formulas? Who is your safe haven so you can be completely honest and open with? Brothers and sisters, we need a partner. We need someone in flesh and blood that can come alongside of us. Someone that can have the liberty to call us out and say, you're not acting the way that's befitting of a Christian. I called my mentor the other day and, and, and I was in the mully grubs and feeling discouraged. And he may have been in Texas, but while he was in Texas, he said, you're, you're, you're looking at this all wrong. Snap out of it. And he gave me some, some hard advice and that hard advice helped me. And I got off the phone and I thought, he's right. Sometimes we just need someone in flesh and blood that can come alongside of us and help us with those things. So who is your partner in your life? Mary's third response to her pain, and I'm hurrying, is Praise. This may seem cliche, but it's incredibly important. As a matter of fact, you can read it on your own time. And in verse 46 through 55, it records Mary's song of praise. Mary's, Mary, at the, at the, the, the thought of what was going to take place, began to write this song of praise of how incredibly excited she was for what God was going to do through her. And, and the first lines of her song of praise records this. It says, my soul magnifies the Lord. That word magnifies means to make or to declare great. She was going to say, my soul is going to make your name great. I will magnify you. Sometimes we have a magnification problem. And that's why praise is so important. Praise brings things in proper perspective. So when I begin to praise God, instead of praising my problem, I begin to praise the one who is in control of my problem. And all of a sudden, the perspective changes because we can blow up the problem, but we need to blow up the God who can defeat the problem, the God who died and took stripes upon his back so that we could have healing from the problem. I think David is one that records it very, very uh, apropos. In, in, in Psalms chapter 34 and verse 1, David, while on the run for his life from King Saul, in the cave of Adullam, at the place where he should have been at his most depressed, David records these words. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. He, he said, I'm not 
not going to let my circumstances control my praise. I will bless the Lord at all times. So that means if there's a paycheck coming in the bank account, I will bless the Lord. Or that means if the bank account is negative, I will bless the Lord. And that means if my health is great, I'm going to praise him for who he is. Or if my health is waning, I'm going to praise him. I'm not going to let my circumstances dictate my praise. And some of us have to get that perspective today and say, I'm not going to let things that are going on in my life control the praise that is going to be in my mouth. Because he said, my praise shall continually be in my mouth. That means when his praise is continually in my mouth, I don't have time for negativity to come out of my mouth. If his praise is continually in my mouth, I don't let discouraged words come out of my mouth. If his praise is continually in my mouth, I don't have time for doubt coming out of my mouth. Because it's his praise that is continually in my mouth. My soul, in verse 2, says, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Verse 3, Oh, magnify. He has the same perspective as Mary. Oh, magnify the Lord. Now he invites you to do it with him. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Why don't we just stand to our feet all across this place and can we just take a moment to magnify the Lord? Can you magnify the Lord with me and can we bless his name together? God, we praise you, Lord. We thank you, God. You are a Mighty God, you are a holy God. We thank you, God. You are the lily of the valley and the bright and morning star. Come on, let's lift our voices together. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We praise you today, God. There is none like you. Not before you, not beside you, not the We praise you and we worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When the well is running dry, brothers and sisters, we need to dig deeper, and praise is that shovel that digs deeper. You may be seated. Mary's fourth and final response to pain, I'm sure there's more, but the fourth response I want to talk about is perseverance. In every challenge Mary faced, Mary continued to move forward. Regardless of the pain, she continued to persevere. You see, she didn't allow her pain to paralyze her. I, I, I've learned this about pain. It has this innate ability to do one of two things to us. It, pain can either harden us or pain can soften us. It's like boiling water. There's some objects you can put in boiling water and it will soften them. But there are other objects you put in boiling water and it will harden them. And that's how pain is in our life. If we allow pain to harden us, the, the, the sad reality is we can, it can lead us to a place where we become emotionally numb. We don't feel. And we come to the house of God and God wants to speak to us and we're just numb to it. People call and they want to share love or a scripture and we're just numb to it because we've just allowed pain to negatively affect us. I remember hearing a story of a man by the name of Dr. Brand. And Dr. Brand spent a lot of time working with individuals that had leprosy. And he recalls this in his book. He said that he came in contact with a young lady by the name of Tanya. And Tanya suffered from a rare genetic illness called congenital indifference to pain. It was a condition very similar to leprosy. In every way, Tanya was a normal, healthy 18-month-old girl, except for she felt no pain. And the mother recalled to Dr. Bland, when she first realized this was an issue, the, the baby was 18 months old and she had put her in a playpen and had walked out of the room. And when she came back, uh, she saw that her little baby girl, Tanya, was, was 
doing finger paint on the wall. And her first impression was she was, she was angry. But then as she looked closer, she said, I, I don't remember giving her paint and she had chewed off her finger. And she was using the blood on her finger to paint the wall. Seven years later, when Dr. Bland had finally seen Tanya, she had lost both of her legs to amputation as well as most of her fingers. Her elbows were constantly dislocated and she suffered sepsis from ulcers on her hands and on her leg stumps. She had chewed her tongue so badly that it was swollen and lacerated. Tanya was the sad example, a human metaphor, really, of a life without pain. Dr. Bland continued, he said there was one night when he was out doing a conference and he got back to his room after a long day and he'd taken his shoes off and he had realized that he had cut his toe and he didn't remember cutting his toe and, and, and as he began to touch his toe, it was numb. He didn't feel anything. So this man who had given his life to helping people with leprosy goes and grabs a pin and he takes the pin and he sticks it into his toe and he feels nothing. And all of a sudden, the sinking realization came upon Dr. Bland, what I've given my life to. The very thing I've tried to help, I now have. And he went to bed discouraged, thinking about how this would affect his marriage, how this would affect his relationship with his kids, how this would affect his future. Dr. Bland said that mo morning he woke up and, and as he was getting ready, still with that cloud of discouragement over him, he decided one more time to try and he took the pin and he reared back and stuck it in his toe and this time he said instead of not feeling anything I screamed and he said my immediate reaction was to lift my hands and to begin to praise God for pain and I began to say God thank you for pain thank you that pain is a part of my life some of us today pain has been woven into our narrative it's been a constant companion it's it's been just something that's there every day we wake up but I want to encourage you to keep trusting in God. I want to encourage you to keep showing up to the house of God. I want to encourage you to keep moving forward that even when you don't feel like you have it in you, just to keep taking a step forward, to know that his promises are sure, to know that the God who loves you can heal you and he can do exceeding abundantly above all we could ever ask or think according to the power that worketh within us. 2 Corinthians 4 and 8 says it this way. It says, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our bodies. But in verse 16, he says this, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And this is the most important verse for our light affliction, which is but just for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Brothers and sisters, we have to remember that this life is but just temporary. We are just but passing through it. And so now is not the time to throw in the towel. Now is not the time to give up. Now is not the time to grow angry or discouraged with God. But now is the time to keep moving. Now is the time to keep standing on his word. Now is the time to keep thanking him for his promises. Amen. Why don't we all stand? Hallelujah. It was about 33 years later. She was older, and her ability to deal with pain, I'm sure, much greater. But nothing 
could have prepared her for what she saw and what she felt. Even though he had cryptically explained and warned that this day would come, she could have never imagined that it would have happened this way. There in front of her was her son, hanging on a cross, gasping for breath. The naked body she had seen at birth in private was now on display for all to see in public. Those feet and hands she used to play with were now pierced with three rusty nails and affixed to a tree. The body she used to embrace in her loving arms was now torn to shreds due to the scourging that he took. His beautiful face that she had fallen in love with was now beyond recognition due to the beating into the crown of thorns. The one who had been praised and adored was now ridiculed and scorned. And the pain she felt could only be surpassed by the pain he felt. You see, it was her pain that day that probably produced revelation, but it was his pain that produced our salvation. It was her pain that day that probably gave her stronger feelings, but it was his pain that purchased our healing. It was probably her pain that day that caused her to go to an upper room and wait for him, but it was his pain that allowed his spirit to meet her in that upper room. That's why in Isaiah the prophet said it this way, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of his peace, of our peace, was upon him. And with his stripes, we were healed. Today, I don't know your story. I don't know the pain that you have brought into this place. I don't know where you are. I don't know if you've just got news that has changed the course of your life or if you've been living with that day after day. But I'm here today to tell you that if you want, God can meet you down here at this altar. Maybe, maybe you've been trying and you've just, you just having a hard time persevering. Maybe, maybe you just feel beat down and you feel tired. If that's you today, I would invite you to come to this altar. Maybe, maybe you find yourself more uh, going to the negative and you just need to get a praise back in your mouth. I would encourage you to come to this altar. I'd be the first to come down to this altar today and say that I want the healing touch of God over my wife and that I may not understand the pain, but it's not going to dictate my praise. And so today, I don't know what your custom is, but I want to invite you down to this altar. I believe if you come here today, God is going to meet you. His loving arms are going to wrap around you. You may feel like you're hopeless, but today you can get hope once again. You may feel weak in your body, but today you can feel the strength of God's loving arms. In the name of Jesus right now, God, I pray you touch every person under the sound of my voice, God. Lord, you know, God, the narrative of your, their life, God. You know, God, Lord, the story that they come in today with. Lord, the pain that they've experienced, God, the wounds that have happened from life. God, I'm asking today that you would meet each person, Lord. God, that they would feel the loving arms of a Savior, the one who took our pain on a cross so that we could have healing. And I pray that today, God, you would minister to each person, Lord, in this room. 
in the name of Jesus.